I'm ready. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining me again on the Lampo Show podcast. I am Tina Lampo, digital content creator, entrepreneur, and your host. Today on the show, we have Miss Holly Ajofatan with us, and she is she is going to share her intercultural marriage journey with us on today and what it has been like for her, her to be in uh, long distance intercultural and interracial marriage. The Lampo Show podcast is a platform where the good, the bad, and the ugly of long-distance relationships and intercultural marriages between American women and the men from the continent of Africa can openly and truthfully be discussed. Miss Holly, if you will, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, please. Sure. So yes, my name is Holly Ajofatan, and I live in Northwest Iowa. I have uh, four children of um, my own, and then my husband has one son, so we have five between us, and my husband is from Nigeria, and I work customer service at a vet clinic, so. Thank you. So without further ado, we are going to go ahead and get into it. Ms. Holly, can you go ahead and tell us how you met your African husband? Sure. We met on Facebook, so um, I think that's where a lot of people meet nowadays is online, and um, yeah, he, he came into my messages on my birthday in 2018. Um, I had uh, taken um, a little break from dating. And so I, I wasn't really interested in, in talking to anybody. Um, and I, I was especially skeptical of, um, you know, meeting somebody on Facebook, meeting somebody on Facebook from another country. Um, but yeah, we got to talking and I don't, I don't know how much you want to share from me to share for each question. So I'll let you, this is your show. Them. This is your show. So you share what you want to share. So, okay. Yeah. And at so, anytime during the interview, if I ask you something that you're not comfortable talking about, just say I decline and we okay. will move forward. Okay. But okay. you can Sounds good. tell as much as you want to. That's what we're here for to tell our okay. stories. Yeah. So I had, I had previously spoken um, with someone who was not who they said that they were. Um, and so I, I was a little bit extra skeptical. I had also been taking some time just to um, get myself healed and um, really seek what God was trying to say to me. And so I had uh, made kind of, I don't know if you call it a vow, but had just told God that I wouldn't be talking to anybody or dating or anything um, for the whole summer. I was going to really focus on my kids and, and just getting myself right before the Lord. And so when he came in my inbox, you know, I, I, I think we all know that we often get friend requests from people that are not genuine. And so one of the things I usually would do is go right to their Facebook page and just kind of, you know, amuse myself <laughs> with how fake it was or, you know, and when I pulled up his Facebook page and saw real posts and, and, um, you know, that the, the page hadn't been just created, that there mm -hmm. were, um, you know, a lot of friends and, and activities. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'll respond to his, his message. Um, I have dear friends from Nigeria here. And so I've always had a heart for the country. And so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll like, I'll talk to him and see. So I explained to him right away that I wasn't interested in dating anybody. Um, he asked me, you know, how long I had made that commitment for. And so I kind of gave him an indication and mm -hmm. we spent the next few months just really um, becoming friends. I asked him all kinds of questions you know, from what church do you go to and researched his, you know, his denomination to make sure it aligned with mine. And because I knew what his intention was, whether or not we wanted to talk about that, I knew what his intention mm -hmm. was. And so just really getting to know who he was and hearing his heart. Two days after my, my sort of make-believe deadline or whatever the, you know, the deadline I had set to myself, he, he, you know, he messaged me and said, so, you know, the date has passed. Like, are you still, you know, where are we at? What's up? And so I was like, Hey, you know, I think, 
I think from what I can see from you that you're a genuine man of God, that you're tenderhearted, that you, you know, he was checking things off my list. And so I said, you know, I'd be willing to consider, you know, moving into a, a more of a romantic relationship with you. And, and so we, yeah, we started, I don't know if you call it dating when you're online, but we started talking with the intent of really getting to know each other to see if it was somebody that we wanted to marry. So okay. that was, that. I what I appreciated about him was that he was upfront from the get-go with his intention. There mm-hmm. was no um, ifs, ands, or buts about what he wanted if, if it was the right thing. Not that he just wanted to marry me because he saw my picture, but because he wanted to get to know me, to know if I was a woman he wanted to pursue marriage with. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So is there an age difference between the two of you? Yeah, there are five years difference. So I'm okay. five years older than him. Yep. Okay. So why did you choose a man from the continent of Africa versus one that was already here that has his paperwork, has everything together, things like that? Sure. I think that question means that I went out seeking, you know, or um, went out seeking to find a man from Africa. And that's, that's not what I did. Um, I, at the time, wasn't seeking anybody at all. In fact, was trying very purposely not to seek someone. And I Mm -hmm. feel like God really needed to take away the noise Mm -hmm. um, in my life to make me available to hear from my husband. So I didn't choose him because um, he's from Africa, but I do love the fact that we are intercultural, um, that we can learn from each other, that Mm -hmm. we can broaden each other's horizons. He also has always loved other cultures. His family encouraged him, you know, that love doesn't look like your tribe. Mm -hmm. Love doesn't look like your state of skin. Love doesn't look like um, even your age necessarily, but love looks like who God brings into your life. And so we both love that about each other and getting to learn from each other. Awesome. Okay. So have you ever been married before? Yes. Yep. I had a 16 year marriage uh, prior and, um, you know, I don't want to talk negatively about my ex-husband, but I do want to say that the experience I had being married to the man with the right last name from the right community, um, from the right, you know, the boy next door, um, was, um, I couldn't have been scammed anymore by someone from another culture in believing what I was walking into. So I feel like People are people are people Mm -hmm. and people of good character come from everywhere in the world and people of poor character come from everywhere in the world. So I agree with that. No matter where where they come from, if they're going to scam you, they're going to scam you. So and 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 hurt and all that can come from anywhere. So. So has he ever been married before? No, he was not married before. He has one son, um, um, but he has not been married before. Okay. So have you met his son? Yes, I've met okay. his son and his son's mother. Um, and awesome. yeah, I've met majority of his family. He is one of 20 siblings. So there's there are a few that I have not met, but I have met most of them. Okay. So, yeah, so how long? Video chat. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yep. Good. So how long did y'all communicate back and forth before things got really serious? Like the, the dating, the engagement? Yeah. So after that, um, let's see, it was two and a half, close to three months. Um, by the time, you know, we met to that time when we decided that we would be dating. Um, and then that was, um, in September. And then I flew to Nigeria in January of the following year. Okay. So however many months that is, and we got engaged on that trip in January of, of 2019. 
So yeah, I'm, and then, yeah, we, we decided, we've actually filed for our K-1 visa application after that. Um, and um, so in January of 2020, he had his K-1 visa interview. Um, the Trump ban on immigrant visas um, happened the week after our interview. And although a K-1 visa is not an inter immigrant visa, I have yet to talk to anyone who was interviewed in that two week period prior. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I have yet to talk to anyone who was interviewed in that two week period prior to the administrative ban taking place that mm -hmm. was approved. So we were denied for lack of evidence is what they said. And I do know that because I had only been to visit once, mm -hmm. um, that it that that can be an issue with a K-1 visa, especially in a country um, that is considered higher fraud. And so that could be the reason. Um, it could be because of the ban. It could be, you don't know. You don't know. You aren't told really. I mean, they do tell you lack of evidence, but what does that mean? You know, um, what, what would have been enough evidence? Because the consular officer that interviewed my husband didn't look at our evidence at all. I mean, whatever evidence we submitted ahead of time, I'm sure was reviewed, but the evidence, the pictures, uh, the evidence of ongoing relationship, the, the chat logs, everything that he took with him um, to the interview never even came out of the file. Wow. So to say lack of evidence is a little bit hard the consular officer asked a lot of questions about me being white, about um, how we met, about how many other white women had my husband spoken with, how many other white women were on his Facebook page. Wow. You know, my husband was very taken aback. He said, well, just, just the friends, you know, people that I've met through my fiance, you know, I, I'm friends with on Facebook or some of her friends and her family. And so those were the only questions he was asked, nothing about our relationship. Wow. Um, and then he was handed, you know, the form that says you've been rejected or denied. Um, and then told that it would be too late to appeal by the time our case got back to um, the USCIS or NBC or wherever it goes back to, and that we should try again. Yeah, it goes so, back to USCIS. Yep. And so I've heard that it can be really difficult to get those cases closed, um, that sometimes that can prevent people from filing for the spousal visa, that um, unclosed K-1. So I had reached out to my senator. Um, I have a senator in Iowa who has been on, you know, who's been a senator for a long time. Um, my Republican um, representative Chuck Grassley is a senior ranking member on the Judiciary Committee mm -hmm. and so I had reached out to them um, the Judiciary Committee is who oversees immigration I had reached out to them asked for help and although they weren't able to get anything changed as far as the results they were able to get my case closed right mm -hmm. away and so what that did is gave us the ability to go and get married and to start over right away now COVID hit and so we, we weren't able to get married. I was supposed to go in April of 2020. And of course, wasn't able to go um, because of COVID. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't until December that they had opened travel back up and we were able to get over. I was able to get over. And so we got married in December of 2020. And um, I came home and, and worked on the application and we filed in April of 2021. Okay, so cool. now you're just in the waiting phase of that. Yeah, so we've had our, our I-130, which is the, the spousal visa application, has been approved. And awesome. we've submitted all of our um, the civil documents, his police reports and things to prove he's not a criminal, and um, the affidavit of support proving that I make enough money to be his sponsor um, have all been submitted. And we're about two months into that process. And so, yeah, we're hoping to hear soon um, that that has been approved and that we can get in line for an interview. So, so you're at the NVC stage. Yes. So we are in okay. what is called the NVC stage, waiting for our documentarily documentary qualification, our DQ. Okay. So, yep. 
Hopefully they're not too backed up. Hopefully they're not too backed up and y'all can go ahead and get um, DQ'd and get that interview date. So, yeah, I I think they're running about three months for the DQ. um, And then um, the, the, the interview backlog is just growing right now. They haven't issued any new interviews since January. So people who were DQ'd in December of 2020 when we got married are still waiting for interviews, some of them. And so, um, yeah, we're not sure exactly what the backlog, why it keeps growing, why they're not issuing new interview letters. Um, we're, we're trying everything we can to reach out. We have a Twitter campaign going and we have, um, we're writing letters to our representatives. I did try to expedite, um, not because I just wanted to move ahead of everybody, but I have, I'm having a, a medical condition that I, I need to have some surgery and need to have somebody who can be here um, to take care of me um, post-surgery. I, I live with just my two minor children. And so hoping, uh, but they're not processing expedites right now either. So they're using COVID and then staff shortages as a reason not to, not to process expedites. So I think we're probably in all honesty, barring anything that the Lord can do, but barring anything else, I think we're probably looking at about a year, year and a half yet. So. Yeah, that process is no joke. They don't tell you anything. Um, Most of the time when you call them, you have to ask for a higher tier supervisor to get through. It took us 19 months. So I just can't imagine how long it's going to take for the ones that's coming behind us. Right. All this so COVID. we've been really going at it since January of, you know, 2019, you know, so with between our K1 and now. So, I mean, you, your clock starts over, but really we've been trying to get him here since January of 2019. This whole immigration system needs to be reformed. It does. Yes. It's awful. Yes. It's yes. awful to have families separated like that. And to me, it seems like they stretch it out so long so that you will give up on your relationship, your marriage. Well, you do wonder if that's part of the process, part of the point, but you also have to take a look at by the time my husband gets here. So if you have been married for two years, by mm-hmm. the time your husband, your spouse enters the United States, you are now no longer a CR1 applicant. You are now an IR1 applicant for people who haven't yep. been through the process. That means that when he comes, he will automatically have his 10-year green card. Yes. What that does is for cases where there is fraud, it's going to be, it's much harder to handle it once he gets here Um, for a government who wants to make money and be profitable through the process. There are fewer fees that end up getting paid because you don't have to remove conditions after the two years to get him his 10 year green card. So while there are advantages for us, I would think that the government would want to get back to the point where people are coming and just getting that two-year green card. Um, because yeah, it's, it's going to be less, it's going to be fewer fees. It's going to be a less difficult process for us once he gets here, but yeah, it mm-hmm. is hard. It's hard on marriages. This is yep, my fourth. I've been there four times now, you know, because one of the things that the government likes to see is that you continue visiting that you continue going over and that's that's not a cheap trip to go you know um that means that vacations for my family have been on put on hold that means that i need to leave my kids for a couple weeks at a time twice a year it means that there are other things that don't get done you know in their life not because they're not a priority but because they understand too that this is something our family is working towards but it's hard on them too Mm -hmm. they 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 want their stepdad here. You know, they want a man who's going to show up to their events. You know, he's at their events over video chat. You know, my, the other parents see me holding up phones, showing him, you know, volleyball games and cross country meets and, you know, uh, band concerts and things like that. He's at all of their events that he can be at that way. Um, but it's not the same as them having a man in the house and having, you know, a man to show up and teach them how to do things. My twins are 13. I have two older boys who are grown and out of the house, but the twins are 13 and they mm-hmm. are at a critical age where they need, they need a man in their house, you know, to be teaching them things. 
Okay. So, yeah. So how was your process of trying when you um, was getting your visa, your passport? Was that process pretty easy for you? For me to go over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got my visa at a point when they weren't yet requiring bio- biometrics. And okay. so I never had to go to the Nigerian embassy and get my biometrics done. Now my visa expires in November. And so for my next trip, I will have to figure that out. We're working on trying to figure out if we can get the Nigerian visa, you know, the white, the spouse visa for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on, I have to get my name changed on my passport yet. It's the only thing I haven't changed my name on yet. And then I can send it over and he, my husband can get that done for me. If he can get that done for me, then, then that will be good for the length of my uh, passport. So Okay. So what does that process look like to get that wife visa for Nigeria? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. My understanding is that I don't have to be there. I've heard everything from, I need to stay in the country for three months or stay in the country for six months, or there's all these exorbitant fees. That's not the case. My husband has to go to the immigration office and he has to um, provide them with my passport, um, with his passport with, um, you know, there's a list of documents, like I have to prove who I am. We have to prove that we're married. Um, I have to send passport pictures. So it's a lot like getting your passport in the U S or getting a visa in the U S the advantage is because we are married. Once they put that visa in my passport, it doesn't expire until my passport expires. So then he can then send my passport back to me. Now getting things back and forth to Nigeria is difficult. Um, I've never tried to send anything by the mail or by DHL or any courier because I just don't trust it. Mm-hmm. Usually what I do is I send it over with a sister that's going, you know, so um, somebody from the group um, that I trust or my, my Nigerian friends here um, that I trust to take things over. And I've carried things back too for people, you know, that you just put it in your suitcase and you bring it back and then you send it to them when you get here. Mm-hmm. That way I know it's in my hands or it's in their hands and it's not, you know, with a courier. Okay. Yeah. Cause they just may not get their package. So right. I've went that route also yeah. um, of sending things with other people and taking yeah. things for other people when I would travel yeah. over there. Yeah. Now I always make sure that I know exactly what's in, you know, like that I see the documents or that I see what's inside the package not because I'm trying to be in people's business, but I'm not about trying to get in trouble for bringing something, right. you know, back over with me that, that wasn't supposed to be carried. So mm-hmm. I'm smart about it, but yeah. So let me stop right here for a second. If y'all have any questions for Ms. Holly, please put them in the comments now. Thank you. So when you went to stay in Nigeria, um, well, you finally got on the plane and you finally landed in Africa. What were your thoughts? What were you feeling in that moment? Moment. Oh, I had never been out of the country. I never even went to Mexico. I mean, I walked across the border into Canada once for lunch. <laughs> when, when you can still do that, you know, I drove up to the border and walked across for lunch. But so I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed because um, I had flown through Europe and all the change changing and and all that get off the plane and the first thing I think is that humidity I mean where I live it's pretty humid in the summer but there was nothing compared to that humidity that just like hits you in the face when you Mm -hmm. step off off that plane so you know it's yeah but I was nervous I didn't know where to go I didn't although I speak the language I didn't understand the accents Mm -hmm. you know and people didn't understand me well and um, I, I can't, I don't blend in in Nigeria. And so I'm very obviously a visitor, um, which makes you a target for, you know, bribery mm-hmm. attempts and, and things like that. Um, the Nigerian airport has done a lot of work on trying to clean that up. There's a lot of work left to do. Um, but the first time I went, I was kind of a sucker and I didn't have any small bills with me. And I won't tell you how much money I paid somebody to for me my husband was so mad at me (laughs) when I told him how much I paid I didn't know how it works you know so yeah it was overwhelming to stand in the long lines and to go through immigration and and all that but you know once I saw him Mm -hmm. it was dark 
and he was standing outside and he was yelling, you know, he was yelling at me. And once I saw him and was able to get to him and just feel his arms around me and kiss him. And I just, I felt I was home, you know, I felt safe. I was, yeah, immediately just protected and yeah. And, and I've never had, we've never had a moment of awkwardness. We've Mm -hmm. had, well, we've had arguments, but it's never been like, oh, I'm, you're a stranger. You're not who I thought you were going to be. Or now that we're together, we don't really have that vibe. No, we, the vibe that was over the phone was the exact same vibe that we found in person. And we've just, yeah, it's been really wonderful. So. Okay. So did you stay in a hotel, Airbnb with the, yeah. in the village? Yep. So on my first trip, we stayed in a, in a hotel, um, just for the first couple nights, just so I could get over jet lag and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's a lot. And then we traveled. Um, so I met his best friends and a few of his friends that live in Lagos. Then we traveled by road, um, to where he lives in Delta state, which was a, a um, a crazy experience. Um, it should be about a six hour drive and it took us 10 hours took us three just to get out of Lagos like Ugh. driving through the ditch, ditches and because there's a big holdup a lot of trucks on the road that are supposed to be off the road mm-hmm. in Nigeria the trucks move at night and tra- you know passenger traffic moves during the day but there had been some sort of holdups while the trucks were still on the road um when we tried to leave Lagos and yeah yeah finding a bathroom for the first you know several hours that didn't happen um you know finding a a bathroom with toilet paper (laughs) you know so just a lot it was a lot of culture shock for me on that Mm -hmm. trip but I love new experiences I love you know just being present and so I tried to just really take it all in be in my husband's well my fiance at the time well really my boyfriend at the time my boyfriend's presence and just really take it all in really see Nigeria but which mm-hmm. is why we wanted to travel by road I mean we could have flown um to Wari but I wanted to go by road and, and really see Nigeria so we went back to where he lives um and met his family um stayed in his apartment and um yeah got to meet all of his closest friends and his mom his mom prayed over us and she doesn't speak English she was never formally educated and so, so she doesn't speak English. So I didn't understand her words when she prayed over us, but my spirit just felt what she was praying. Mm-hmm. You know, we knelt before her and she prayed over us and I just, tears just ran down my face and, um, my, the name I've been given, um, in their tribe means God is worthy to be praised. Um, and so it's just, it's a very loving God-fearing family and they've just been wonderful to me. So what is that name they give you? So Orishi Shalaye is how, you, and I think I said that right, but Shalaye for, for short. And um, he's, my husband is Shakiri. So he's not one of the, the bigger tribes in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, and their, their language is, I find very difficult. Um, but he, he explains to me what I need to know. And I, I know a few things, but yeah, so Orishi Shalaye means orishi is god and then shalai is means worthy to be praised okay so, yeah. so miss holly how does your family feel about you being in this type of long distance marriage yeah i think that any family has concerns about um their family member traveling you know across the world to meet someone that they met online i think mm-hmm. there are normal things but nobody ever was like, you can't do this. You're being stupid. <laughs> you know, my family, um, for one, my family knows I'm strong-willed. Hi, family. Um, my family knows that I'm strong-willed and that I probably wasn't going to stop even if they did tell me that I, that I shouldn't. Um, but they've been, they know that I'm, I'm smart, that I'm, that I'm wise, that I ask the right questions, um, you know, that I'm going to do my homework and, and my family are strong believers. And so they prayed over it and they prayed over me and they prayed for me while I was gone. Um, my mom downloads flight aware and she follows all my flights. (laughs) She she knows I've landed before I know I've landed. (laughs) So she's watching me the whole time, you know, and, and they always know where I'm at. My husband and my mom have been in communication since before I went on my first trip. Um, they're connected by WhatsApp. 
you know, and they talk regularly. So uh, the family whose opinion matters to me is, is in favor of it. So, yeah. So when you were in Nigeria, what were some of the cultural shock things that just had you like, wow, you know, to be, to see it and witness it for yourself? Yeah. So I think, you know, like I said, like how difficult it was to find certain conveniences, like you couldn't just walk in, you know, you don't pull up to a gas station and there's a clean bathroom. Well, not that all bathrooms here are clean at gas stations, but that there's a bathroom with toilet paper and that you can buy a bottle of water and that you can, you know what I mean? Just some of those conveniences that you're used to, I think was the immediate, you know, just how, how hard everything is, you know, that you don't just go grocery shopping in an hour or two, but it can take you all day long to, you know, to get to the grocery store and to get your things and to get back, you know, so just how hard things are. But Mm -hmm. I, but I also think that something that pleasantly surprised me was just how warm and welcoming everybody was to me. I never felt like I was a stranger aside from the airport. I never felt like I was a stranger in the country. I felt mm-hmm. very welcomed and, and like I was just part of the family and just, you know, so yeah, I think that okay. surprised me because I, I it's, yeah, I hadn't expected it. So. Okay. So when it was time for you to return home, how did you feel having to leave your significant other behind? Yeah. I mean, by now he was my fiance and I think we were hopeful that it was just going to be a few months and we'd see each other again and we'd be together and plan a wedding. And so I think I was naive. Uh, It was hard, but I think I was naive about what the the immediate future held. I think every time I leave, it gets harder. Mm -hmm. And every time I leave, it's harder because we are that much closer and we are becoming more of one flesh. You know, you you build your relationship over video and you build those things, but when you're together and mm-hmm. you spend those weeks or whatever it is together, that connection grows. And so then every time you leave, it's like ripping, you know, pulling you apart physically, but emotionally, spiritually, it's a, it's a distance. And I think every time I leave, it's, it's that much harder because you wonder how many more times are we going to have to go through this? you know, when is the next time I'm going to get to see you? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know right now when the next time I can go over is financially, um, leave time from work with my surgery coming up, you know, that's going to take a lot. And so it may be that I don't get to go over again until he gets to come here, you know? So yeah. It's hard. Wow. Yes. And it does get harder each time that you go over there and have to leave and can't bring them with you yep yep so being with an american man all of your life most of your life and now that you're married to an african man how does the level of intimacy differ um i don't i don't know that it's a fair comparison to measure my current husband with my first husband as far as that goes I think comparing my current husband to other American men, um, I feel like my husband, and I don't, I don't know whether it's because he's African or whether it's because it's how he was raised or if mm-hmm. it's just because of it's who he is, but my husband is very endearing. Like he's very warm, he's loving, he's generous, he's affectionate, um, physically, verbally, uh, emotionally, he's in touch with who he is. Um, he's just a deep person who will have a great conversation with you and encourage you and challenge you. And so to me, that leads to intimacy. Um, mm-hmm. that is, is more fulfilling, you know? So yeah, I haven't, I haven't found anything lacking. There's been no coldness. There's been no, um, like we can't show affection in public, that kind of thing. Um, the only time I ever noticed that, so in the Airbnb that we stay in in Lagos, cause now when I go, we don't go back to his hometown anymore. It's not safe. That trip by road is not safe. And, um, where he lives, like after I left in July, his, 
his brother was killed. Um, he oh, was wow. shot for his phone and it's, it's a heavy grief. Um, but it's just not, um, my husband feels like, and rightfully so that it, his priority is keeping me safe. And so we haven't gone back, um, there since that first trip. Um, mm -hmm. just because yeah he doesn't want something to happen to me he says he owes it to my family and to my children to return me safely and so we stay in Lagos we have very good friends there and we talk to his family while I'm there I talk to his family regularly now um, but I haven't I haven't gone back and physically been there since that first trip um, but so the Airbnb where we stay in Lagos um has a, a swimming pool in the backyard. It's kind of like mm -hmm. an apartment complex. So when we were swimming in the swimming pool, you know, I, I went to kiss him and he could tell that there were kids in one of the apartments watching us. And so that's the only time that we've been in public that he's stopped me. He's like, there are children, there are children. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't want to kiss in front of the kids. <laughs> wow. But otherwise, yeah. But otherwise, you know, when we're in the airport, when we're in our you know, Uber going somewhere when we're out in public, wherever, you know, he's, he holds my hands in the mall, kisses me, whatever. So, yeah. Okay. So financial matters. Yeah. Do you have talks about financial matters? Cause we all, we know as American women that most of the men in Ghana, Nigeria, not all of them, they don't make a lot of money over there, yep. you know? Yep. So have y'all talked about financial matters? Do you support him financially? Things like that? Sure. So yes, we've talked about financial matters. We're married. And so I, I believe firmly in transparency in, in you know, us being one. Mm -hmm. um, we talked a lot about finances before we got married because one of the things that was very important to me was to understand his philosophy towards mm -hmm. finances mm -hmm. and you know, how he is with handling money and things like that. Um, before we got married, I think I could probably count on two fingers, the times that there was any sort of financial assistance. Um, and it wasn't anything, you know, like significant mm -hmm. since we've been married, I don't like send him regular money, but we have a business. So we have invested together. He has a full-time job um, that he works, but he gets paid very little. And mm -hmm. so um, we started a business, uh, a POS business. So, you know, like the little, they don't, the ATMs in Nigeria don't get a lot of money put in them, mm -hmm. honestly. And especially where he lives in a smaller area, often the ATMs don't have money. And so people have started putting up little mobile money stations Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, they have a, a POS machine that they put the card in and can transfer money and then you give them the cash. Okay. So we were doing that for a while. After his brother was killed, his mom asked us to shut that down because another one of his brothers was running that. And she just didn't feel like the area where he was at was safe. And we didn't mm -hmm. feel like with him having that much money on him, like it was a good idea. So it was, it was making us money but we felt like it was just for safety reasons that we needed to close that down. So we took the money that we had invested in that business and we rented a storefront and now he's running an apparel shop. And so we started out with that money, renting the place and doing a little bit of remodeling. Mm -hmm. um, and then as he has sold what he had, he's reinvested into more apparel. And so we're slowly building up inventory, um, you know, but the, the, I don't anymore have to send money over for that. And in fact, like the POS business that we were running, it paid for our wedding, you know, so our Nigerian wedding. So I didn't have to pay for that. I just had to get myself there. And when I go, I pay for the Airbnb um, and my ticket. And he, well, sometimes, sometimes he pays for the Airbnb out of the business fund. And then he pays for our food and things when I'm over there. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, as much as he can, you know, the dollar is not to the Naira is very minimal and the amount of money he can earn compared to what I can earn is just not comparable. And so I don't feel like there's anything wrong with me contributing more financially at this point. Um, as I said, I don't regularly send money over there. Um, in fact, I haven't sent money for months, you know, any sort of money. 
So he's self-sustaining at this point. And mm -hmm. um, I think considering the fact that he had been unemployed for some time before we met, you know, that because his contract job had ended, you know, and so, yeah, I think okay. he's doing really well. I'm really proud of where he has built himself up and how hard he works. Okay. So running, working a full-time job and running a business is it. I think we would all be tired. <laughs> so most definitely. So yeah. I know that you have children and you mentioned that he has a son. Yes. Yep. Are y'all planning to have any more children? No, we will not be having any more children. Okay. So. Okay. So Ms. Holly, is there anything else you want to share? We're going to take some questions from the audience. Yeah, I'm open to questions. Shoot. Okay. Admin, we're ready for questions. Um, Holly, when you were talking about the um, spousal visa, um, Rashawn wanted to know, um, do you have to leave your passport there? Um, oh, when I, for me to get my visa, my Nigerian yes. visa? Yes. So my, my passport would have to stay there. And so that's why in order for me to get that, I would have to send my passport with someone over because I could, I wouldn't be able to leave the country without my passport. So I need, I will send my passport over. He will do what it, he needs to do. And then he will send it back to me. I won't actually be in the country at all. All right. The next question comes from Princess. And her question is, have you discussed how the, um, the kids will be disciplined, especially with you having boys? Uh, yeah, so my older two boys are grown and um, they won't be disciplined. <laughs> and my the twins that we have that I have, so it's a boy and a girl. And then his son is a boy who is um, just a few months younger than my twins. So they're basically all the same age. We already coordinate on discipline. Um, he talks to my kids um, and encourages them. Um, they're really good kids and there's not a lot of discipline that is required as far as consequences and things like that. My kids are very mature and um, yeah, I set boundaries and we have expectations and there are natural consequences to those things, but he's already very involved in a relationship with them. So I don't see that changing a whole lot when he gets here. I know that there will be bumps in the road, adjustment periods and such, but He's already very involved in that. And yeah, he wants already to be the man in their life. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. The next question is by um, Therese. And she said, if someone was going there for the first time, what should they bring that you think they would need? Okay, so I think a lot of that depends on where what part of the country you're going to be in so if you're going to stay in Lagos or I've never been to Abuja but I imagine it's the same if you're going to stay in the city you can get a lot of what you need um, there so things that you might want to take over are um, if there's any you know medications that you need to take of course if there's any foods that you really need to have um, the first time I went I took some protein shakes and some things that were really easy to prepare um, with just clean water because I wasn't sure how my system was gonna respond to the foods there. Um, and then my medications. I mean, I kind of took my whole house with me my first trip because I knew we were, were traveling. If you're gonna be traveling by road anywhere, I would suggest you take um, wipes and things like that, just personal hygiene stuff um, that you would need to take when you aren't gonna be near a bathroom for any amount of time. Um, I think a water bottle that you can, uh, can refill easily that you can fill up with water before you leave. Like if you're going to go out for the day in Lagos, you want to be able to fill a water bottle and take it with you. Things like that. Um, comfortable clothes. Don't take 20,000 pairs of shoes. Cause you're probably going to just wear one pair of comfortable walking shoes, um, or one pair of comfortable dress shoes, dresses and things like that. So, all right, the next question comes um, from Kimberly, and I think you already answered this in the interview, but she wanted to know, have you started the immigration process yet? 
And if so, how far along are you? Yeah, so we are in at the NVC stage of the spousal visa right now. Okay, next question comes from Brandy. Does his family travel to Lagos to meet you when you go? Um, some of his family has, yeah. So I have, um, his, his older brother has been there sometimes when I've been there. Um, he travels a lot for work. Um, he has a sister that lives in Lagos. Um, the friends that are in Lagos are like family. Um, they're people he's known his whole life. And so we see them. So yeah, we, um, sometimes they do. Okay. Um, the next question comes from Coretta. And she said, are you guys going to stay in Iowa or move somewhere else? I'm committed. Um, and so my husband is committed <laughs> by virtue of being married to me to keeping my kids in the school district where they live um, until they graduate. So they have um, a little over five years left of school. And so we will be here at least until they graduate high school. And then, you know, we've talked about moving somewhere warmer um, or somewhere closer to some extended family. Um, I don't have a lot of extended family left in Iowa. So yeah, we've talked about moving somewhere else, but I wanna be somewhere where I can watch, you know, my kids, you know, in sports and college and, so it kind of depends on where my kids end up. And, but yeah, we're open to moving somewhere else. And we especially want to live somewhere um, where my husband can find uh, people from his own culture as well. Um, we do have Nigerian friends here, as I mentioned, but there's not like a Nigerian community here. So I think that's something we'd like to consider too. All right, the next question comes from Stacy. Will or does his husband, um, does his son want to come to the United States? Yes, that, that's our long-term plan. Um, he won't come at the same time as my husband. Um, we would like him to get to his next stage of schooling um, completed and then to come here um, a few years down the road. So um, we'd like him to come before our traditional high school ends so that he can get involved in the culture uh, here and maybe experience some of high school and then, and then maybe graduate from high school here so it'd be easier for him to go to school. But yeah, eventually he does hope to come. Okay, the next question comes from Latoya. And she says, where is somewhere you're excited about taking your husband when he gets here? So I really want to take my husband to the West Coast. I grew up on the West Coast. And so I would really like to take him out there and show him where I went to school and grew up um, to take him out to Washington State and meet um, my brother and sister-in-law and niece and nephew and now great niece um, out there. So yeah, I'd love to take him to Disneyland and just show him some of the, my stomping ground from growing up. Okay, we have no more questions at this time. Really, no more questions? Come on, people ask me anything. <laughs> so Ms. Holly, what have you learned this for being in um, this type of marriage, intercultural, um, long distance marriage? Um, I feel like the advantages to being in a long distance relationship are that you don't get caught up in the day-to-day -day squabbles. You don't get caught up in um, the physical side of a relationship and, mm -hmm. and letting that skew your perspective. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times relationships get physical very quickly um, when you're close to someone. And I feel like um, that not only goes outside of what my um, spiritual beliefs are, but also I think interrupts your brain's ability to learn who someone is you know mm -hmm. my I had a counselor tell me once that once sex comes into a marriage or into a relationship that your brain kind of stops growing in the other areas because of the chemical responses that your brain is having mm -hmm. it, it skews your ability to really see um, some potential 
issues, some of the red flags that you might see. So I feel like we have had to be more intentional. In fact, sometimes I tease my husband that I'm going to go to the other room and I'm going to call him over the phone so that I can have his full attention <laughs> because I feel like when I'm there, like sometimes like he, my husband is an amazing cook, but he can spend like hours in the kitchen cooking. And I'm like, just come spend time with me or let me help you. Or, you know, like, I just want to be face to face with him. Like I am when we're over video jet, you know? So it's kind of like one of the things we struggle with when I'm there is like, okay, we're busy doing all this other stuff that we don't just sit and be face to face. So I think those are some of the things that we'll have to work through when he gets here is letting, you know, the squabbles and the daily, daily life, like interrupt some of that, you know, now if we're going to spend an hour over video chat, it's an hour of like intentional, like devoted time, you know? And I know that there's people that like are on their phones with their significant other overseas or whatever all day, just kind of existing and living life. Like that's not our reality. We both have nine to five jobs um, that I can't just be on the phone with my husband all the time, <laughs> you know? So when we are on the phone, it's very intentional time. So there, there's advantages and disadvantages to that, but yeah. Okay. Admin, I see a question from yeah. Tiffany for Gardner. Yes, Tiffany asks, um, how have you tried to prepare your husband for the extreme climate difference between Iowa and Nigeria? Hmm. So I don't know. I have asked my Nigerian friends here how, you know, how do I prepare him? And and my my dear friend June says, you don't. <laughs> like there's just, there's just no way. And I've like I've showed him like. I've taken like an ice cube and like held it on a skin and been like, so this is not even nearly as cold as it gets. Like this is 32 degrees Fahrenheit and it can get 60 degrees colder than this in the winter. Like, yeah, I've sh you know, I mean, I've showed him, I, yeah, I don't know that you really do prepare. And he always says, if you and the kids can handle it, I can handle it. I'm a strong man. I'm you know, so I bought him a big, thick winter coat and I, I slowly am building up a wardrobe for him here when I see things on sale. And yeah, I've, I've talked to him, you know, it's kind of funny. Like I started thinking through like, what things don't you just know? Well, anything a toddler wouldn't know about living in the ice, you know, tundra, he's not going to know. He's not going to know not to put his tongue on the on the, on the flagpole he's not going to know that you have to have your skin covered and that you can't you know like when it's below zero you can't go outside for more than five minutes without your skin covered he's going to need to know what are the signs of frostbite so yeah there's all that kind of stuff that that we're going to need to talk through and and we've started talking through but yeah some of it he just isn't going to be able to understand until he gets here so he'll adjust to it um he will because my husband adjusted to it. Yeah. And now he teases and says when he goes back to Ghana, they better have some air conditioning over there. Yeah. <laughs> my husband did put in an air conditioner for me into his apartment when uh, for my first trip. He put in an air conditioner and a water heater and a few other things that I was like, there's I don't need a lot, but I need a couple things. And so it's funny because now he like he if it gets too hot he will turn on his generator to run that air conditioner so I tell him he's getting spoiled already so <laughs> so what advice would you give to women who are just starting out on this this type of journey yeah what what is some advice you would give them so one of the things that I see in a lot of the groups is that women get caught up in some of the charm you know some and I don't mean like you know, spiritual charm, but it feels good to be in a new relationship. It feels unique to be wanted the way an African man will make you feel wanted. It feels good to have the things said to you that they will say to you. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, most of them are not being disingenuous. That's how they're raised. It's the way they are, you know, they speak to people, but don't let that cloud either your ability to really step back and, and evaluate things um, from a, a different perspective. Don't be afraid to get other people in your life involved in your relationship, not to the point where they're having an opinion and, and, and beating up on it, but 
let your your mom if you have a good relationship speak to your your boyfriend let you know your best friends talk openly with them I think a lot of people feel like I don't like I'm ashamed that I'm in this or that I met online or that I whatever and you kind of hide it no you need to let people speak truth over you and of course you need to know who you can trust to let into that space but if you have people in your life that love you and want what's best for you let them in and and talk with them over what's going on don't be afraid to share because you're afraid somebody's going to say oh you shouldn't be talking to somebody overseas or oh he's from nigeria don't you know those ro romance scams because people outside of you and your boyfriend or spouse or whatever will see things that you don't see you know when you are in that sort of infatuation phase mm -hmm. You know, so be open and honest about who you are. Don't fail to set boundaries. If you wouldn't put up with it in an American man, don't put up with it in, an, in a relationship with a long distance relationship. Wherever, I agree with you, sister. So know what your expectations are. Know what you're willing to put up with. Know what you want for yourself in your life. Know that you are in this for the long haul because nothing's short. Hey, hold on. I don't mean to cut you off, but I got to no. shout out my mom. Hey, mom. My mom's hey, watching. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'm welcome, Tina's mama. So, yeah, like you have to know that you're committed to this. I mean, every marriage and relationship is hard work, but if you are not the kind of person who can be apart from your spouse, for several years like it's not a lot different and i'm not saying that it's the same as being married to somebody in the service but being apart from them mm -hmm. it's like that's the same you know worrying about my husband living where he lives that's the same nigeria's got stuff it's not always the safest place to be and so if you aren't in it for that know that about yourself from the get-go and don't let either of your hearts get entangled mm -hmm. because you owe it to him to be honest about who you are as much as you on want him to be honest about who he is so don't like if you struggle with depression if you are a crappy housekeeper if you are you know like let him see who you are so there's no the surprises when he get right. me mm -hmm. right right that's i mean that's a good solid relationship advice in any relationship but don't try to hide your life from him hoping that he'll love you enough to get over it when he gets here be who you are and expect him to be who he is mm -hmm. so. okay right, I we see have some a question okay <laughs> we have a question from alina have you ever had to let go of certain relationships due to their lack of understanding or support for your relationship um, I don't think that there have been any, any relationships that specifically were lost because of this, as far as them saying like, Hey, I don't support your relationship in a long distance relationship, or, um, we're not going to be friends with you anymore. I'm not gonna now are there friendships that have fallen the wayside, um, as a natural progression through life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's bound to happen. I um, had a very, very dear male friend who felt like he needed to back off um, from being as close to friends as we were because he wanted to respect the fact that I was in a romantic relationship. Now, my relationship was, with him was never romantic, but he just didn't feel like it was right for us to stay as close as we were if I was dating someone and, and I agreed with that, you know, and so there are natural things that happened in friendships. Um, there are relationships I don't have today that I had when we started, but I don't know that it necessarily had to do with this. Now, maybe it did and they didn't say it, um, but mm -hmm. nobody has ever come to me and said, hey, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore because you're in a relationship with a Nigerian man. So, so to my knowledge, no. Okay, we have a next question from Shalon. Um, do you plan to take your children so that they can get to know your husband? 
Um, so my kids talk with my husband regularly over video chat. I know that's not the same thing as being in person, but I had joint custody with my ex-husband. And at this point, getting them passports is not a, is not a possibility. So not at this time. Right. We have a question from um, Latoya. Um, she said that she's not sure if Nigeria is LBGT friendly, but have you talked to your husband about how open and normal it is um, here to see same-sex couples? Yeah, it, um, I, I won't get into why, um, but that's it's a very real part of, of our conversations. Um, and so, yes, very much so. And, and is Nigeria LGBTQ plus questioning? Um, I know there's, there are more um, acronyms or more letters that I'm not doing justice to. So I apologize for that, but um, is it friendly? No, it's not. Um, it's illegal there. Um, it's um, culturally, it's not accepted. Um, no, it's not friendly. My husband, however, um, is an open-minded man. And while we hold to the principles of scripture, we understand also um, that we are not um, perfect people. And so um, we don't get the right, have the right to judge anybody else's lifestyle. And so, yeah, it's something that we are, um, yeah. Anyway, I don't wanna go too deep into why that's a part of our regular conversation, but it is, and, and my husband is open-minded. So, I have a question. Um, how do you share your religious beliefs, like Bible study or fasting, um, with you guys being, you know, away from each other? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. So every Sunday um, after um, we are both home from service, um, or because of COVID, sometimes we've watched online in our home. Um, we have a Sunday afternoon um, time where we compare notes on our sermon. So he'll, we'll read through the scripture that we each learned and talk about what we learned from the sermon. Um, we have regular prayer time together. Um, and sometimes that involves Bible study. We, we read the same devotional and we'll sometimes talk about uh, what we learned for the day. Um, we have had periods of fasting together. It's a little bit hard because of the time difference um, that usually by the time I'm beginning my fast. He's breaking his fast, um, unless it's on the weekends. But we'll we will be intentional about fasting together um, during a set period of time for a purpose, and then we'll share with each other what we what we learned, what we felt like God was speaking to us about during our fast. So yeah, it's definitely uh, we we sing worship songs together. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that is is a big part of our life. We attend church together when I'm there. So. I have a question. Sure. So what are some things that you think both parties should discuss before getting married? Sure. Everything. <laughs> no, I, and, and that probably sounds general, but I feel like you need to know who you are marrying. You need to know their biggest hurts. You need to know their biggest successes what made them them you know it, when they are parenting what do they feel like is the most important thing about parenting what do they feel about finances and how that's going to work in your family um that question about the lgbtq community that's a great one like how do you see how do you treat people in other you know who have belief systems that are different than yours mm -hmm. you know how do you how are we going to handle the fact that um, Iowa is predominantly white? You know, how are, how is that going to make you feel? What's the difference between growing up in America as a black man versus growing up in Nigeria as a black man? Mm -hmm. You know, how is, and how do I see that? How does he see that? I, I feel like you just have to spend time in conversation, having the hard talks. You know, you can't just get caught up in the lovey-dovey stuff, you know, but what do you want to do? How, are, how does he see me? You know, does he want me to work? Does he want me to stay, be a stay-at-home wife? Like, what's your view of traditional gender roles? How does your tribe and your culture growing up, like, how does that impact 
how you're going to see me as your wife. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about friends of opposite genders? How do you feel about having each other's passwords to your Facebook stuff? Like I really, so when I say everything, I mean everything. Like if there's something you think about during the day, talk it over with your, with your significant other, because if you're thinking it and feeling it, it, it affects who you are mm-hmm. and that affects who you're going to show up as in a, in a marriage. Okay. Well, Ms. Holly, I don't think we have any more questions from the audience. And I want to tell you, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to interview you on the Lampo Show podcast. And thank you to all of our viewers who are watching. If you're an American woman and you are dating, engaged to, married to, divorced from, or have been scammed from a man from the continent of Africa, and you would like to be a guest on our show, please send your request to info.thelamposhow at gmail.com. And we will see you guys tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.